Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome to Top of the Morning on the UBS Market Moves podcast channel. Our conversation today will focus on how you should think about an allocation within fixed income given the current policy and rate environment along with an outlook for inflation and rates. Joining me on the line today for the conversation, glad to welcome back Leslie Falconio, Senior Fixed Income Strategist for the Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. So Leslie, it's great to be with you as always. Welcome back to the podcast and looking forward to our conversation today. Thank you, Dan. Leslie, to start things off today, maybe we can backtrack a bit. I know when we spoke in February, you highlighted an increased least preferred allocation in IG corporates in favor of preferreds and senior loans. So, Leslie, can you remind our listeners, our clients of the thesis behind that shift at the time and how that allocation has performed over the past couple of months? Yes, absolutely. Well, Dan, I mean, as you know from and what we've highlighted, you know, on this on this segment as well is that, you know, we've had sort of this bearish steepener, steepening outlook, you know, since last May when we first went a preferred weighting in our senior loan uh, sector, you know, with with the expectation that the recovery was on would, would really start. I mean, obviously, at that time, we didn't realize the amount of fiscal stimulus that would come into the system, not just what we saw in December, but obviously what we saw in the beginning of the year, this $1.9 trillion, which really has, has expedited, you know, part of this recovery as well as an accommodative Fed. And in February, one of the um, sectors and one of the allocations that we made that you pointed out is, although we've had this sort of least preferred allocation to investment-grade corporates, and just to, just to, I want to just emphasize, it's not due to a fundamental reason. You know, we think investment-grade corporates are fine. We think the leverage is fine. We have plenty of cash on hand. It was really based on the fact that spreads were very compressed, and our outlook was that interest rates would continue to rise, and the embedded interest rate risk within the investment-grade corporate market would be a tremendous headwind to the total return. And we decided to shift that allocation between adding to our, to our senior loan preferred and then moving to a preferred within preferreds. And we did that because, you know, in the beginning of the year, as volatility sort of hit some of the treasury market, even in January, um, the, preferred alloc- the preferred sector had, you know, underperform a bit given that sudden volatility, as many uh, sectors do that have a potential of what we call optionality, similarly like the agency MBS. So we split that allocation to add to go to least preferred NIG, add to senior loans, and add to preferreds. And sort of, if you think about this, the back of the envelope way of what this allocation was was really was really about the, you know, the reflation, the procyclical. Because by shifting to IG to senior loans and preferred, what you're doing is you're increasing your correlation to the equity market. So in a way, within the fixed income outlook, we were actually increasing our equity outlook in terms of performance because you're increasing that correlation. Now, as we saw in February and in March, you know, as we sort of reached these levels, we saw 177 in March and 10-year Treasury yields. As we have, you know, continued stimulus, other packages coming on, such, such as infrastructure, you know, the performance of this allocation did very well in a very short period of time. You know, as you mentioned, it's, it was over 7.5% as we've written. And so given that, and given the amount that is priced into the market already in terms of the reflation momentum, in terms of growth expectations, in terms of the high inflation outlook, you know, we, we decided to sort of, if you will, close this allocation, given the strong outperformance, but maintain our outlook that the U.S. Treasuries and fixed income, right, you'll still have this 
bear sphincter and continuation of this reflation uh, allocation, this reflation trade, it'll just be by smaller increments, meaning you already hit a 177 and 10-year yield. Our outlook at the end of the year is 2%. Not a lot of not a lot of gap there, right? So we've already had the move. The credit side, in terms of senior loans, have done well, very well. We think it will continue to do well, but just by smaller increments because you had this tremendous outperformance. So when you think about it, we just pulled back a little bit on the bear steeper and the sort of cyclical, pro-cyclical type of inflation allocation. Theme is still the same, but we just took a profit in this. So now we're neutral on preferreds. We still remain with the least preferred in IG, and we still remain in the preferred in single loans. Leslie, that was very helpful. Thank you for walking us through that allocation shift as a starting point and explaining the performance. So I want to run with the latter point. So fast forwarding to where we are today, we're beginning the second quarter. I know within the most recent fixed income strategist publication, you talk about your shift of preferreds from most preferred to neutral, maintaining your preference for senior loans. So can you expand on that a bit further for us, Leslie? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's interesting. Since February 28th, right, since we've had this big move in in yields, since we've had this large, this lot of volatility, which which negatively impacts the preferred sector, since like we're on February 28th, preferred have been one of the top performing sectors. And the reason being is that when you have this large volatility and the treasury yields move within a range, which is pretty much what they've done since March 12th. Since March 12th and March 15th, the 10-year Treasury yield has only been in about a 15 basis point range. So that, and we always say it's not the absolute level of Treasuries, but the velocity. So you have this sort of calming, you know, in terms of the volatility with the movement of, of U.S. interest rates, which has really benefited the preferred sector. And since Feb, Feb 28th, but they've been actually one of the top performing sectors. And when I say top performing, you know, not necessarily at a year-to-date total return. They are positive, right? But they're actually, but since February, they're one of the top performing because they recouped a lot of their, you know, so what we consider the short-term underperformance. And that's one of the reasons why, given that strength in the outperformance, we moved neutral back to neutral on preferreds. It's still a great carry carry allocation. There's no question. But when it comes to relative value, they, you know, they're, they're, they're maintaining on the neutral side. And we maintain that senior loan sort of, you know, most preferred because we like the floating rate sector. We think you're going to have pockets of vulnerability, like, you know, even even as we see today, you have a strong CPI number, but it was priced in. You have concerns over Johnson & Johnson, so therefore the 10-year Treasury yield actually doesn't go up on strength. It's kind of staying where it is, maybe going down a little bit. But overall, we'll have these pockets of vulnerability, but the trend is still higher. Senior loans are a great way to earn carry. You remove one of the biggest interest, one of the biggest risks, which is interest rate risk. So therefore, we keep, we were maintaining the sort of reflation allocation in the loan market because it's floating great. Not we wouldn't consider it cheap anymore because it's done incredibly well, but it's really great carry. Leslie, I'm curious from your vantage point. So we have been moving in the right direction with vaccine deployment. You mentioned the Johnson and Johnson development this morning. It's a bit of a setback, but we're also cognizant of the policy environment that we're living through with further fiscal relief on the way. From what you can gather, Leslie, how much optimism for the economic recovery here in the U.S. that you believe is already priced into markets, and what are your inflation? expectations over the next quarter? Yeah, one of the things, well, the FIS title was Great Expectations, and we chose that title for a reason, because, you know, as we saw in January and February, they raised that bar very high. They almost doubled the, the forecast for the 2021 GDP growth outlook. And because of that doubling of the forecast, 
with this huge rise in interest rates, right? Very quickly, huge magnitude, 75, 80 basis points. Well, once you raise that bar, in order for you to continue, the bar has to be higher. So in other words, it's priced into the market, right? In order for you to have volatility, whether higher or lower, it's got to be, it's got to deviate from what's priced in. Now, you know, now that we have this, you know, base effect that we're seeing, you know, we, we anticipate CPI and we showed this in a blog that even if you are conservative and think a 0.4 month over month, because of the base effect and the dropping off of all, the, all those negative, no, negative numbers we saw in March, April, May of 2020, you know, the year over year CPI could reach almost 4%, but the market's expecting that, right? So when we have these high expectations and we have so much priced in, in order for you to really move, you have to raise the bar. Now, the problem is, is that these expectations are very, very high. And it doesn't mean that they're going to falter. It doesn't mean that the economy is going to have a double depression or, or you're going to see these, you know, you know, sustained move in interest rates if they move lower. But again, you, there's a lot priced in. So when we look in terms of what's going to happen in the second half of the year, which is really the key, right? you, you remember, a lot of this is based on projections. You need to see the data. So our outlook going forward is that, yes, we all know the base case is, in the, is there for, for inflation and inflation expectations, which have gone to the five-year inflation expectation is now at a pre-global financial crisis level. So a lot of that is priced in. We know there are base case impacts. We just don't believe in the second half you're going to continue a trend higher. So you're going to have, obviously, you're going to have wage growth. But it's just not going to continue and continue and continue. I mean, it's going to, it's going to stabilize at the end of the year after you get the surge in consumer demand, after you have some really strong job reports as, as the economy reopens and, and a lot of people who are unemployed to go back to work. But we don't think that this is something that's going to last in terms of a hyperinflation scenario. So, Leslie, I'm curious to get your rate outlook near to medium term. I know within the Fizz you talked about how the 10-year for a period of time hit a one spot seven seven. We've come down from that level a bit, but where do you see rates heading near to medium term? You know, if we look for the medium term, like we, like I said, we've been bearish, right? We've been bearish on interest rates. However, with that said, even with our bearish outlook, if you would have said to me. What's the probability of hitting one seven seven ten year yield within the first three months of the year? I would, if you asked me this in January, I would have been like, absolutely not. I mean, the shock that we've seen because of what the, what the market is pricing in, because of the optimism of the vaccine rollouts, and because of all this growth, it's really come quickly, right? So even though our, we, were, we were positioned correctly, never in a million is what I think how quickly that it came, right? And no one really expected that. So when we think about how far we've come. That's how. That's when you have to think about what is going forward. So, as I, as I mentioned, they've priced in a lot. They've, they've priced in a lot in terms of growth. They've priced in a lot, not only in, not only in 2021, but also raising their 2022 growth expectations because of other, as we know, stimulus plans that are on the platform. So, we have a lot in terms of growth. So, if I think in the medium term, the near term, right, I think that we're going to stay really in this range bound with pockets of vulnerability where the 10-year yield will come down. And it's not going to come down because there's a concern over fundamentals or a concern over the economy. It's going to come down simply because it went up so fast. And when I say when it comes down, you, you might be able to get to that 140, 150 level in 10-year yields, right? But it doesn't change the course that we're on over the longer term. The course that we're on over the longer term is this continued recovery, the health of the economy, a very supportive and accommodative fiscal and monetary stimulus, which in our opinion continues through 2021 on both sides fiscal and monetary. 
So therefore, you're going to have a rise in interest rates by, you know, t- towards the end of the year. But with that said, when we say a rise in interest rates, not two and a half, not three percent, you know, something um, marginally higher than where we are right now, two two ten, but expect a potential potential of a short-term pullback in yields, again, strictly because they went up so quickly, and then the trend to go higher because, again, the economy is and still recovering with all this fiscal and monetary support. Well, Leslie, very topical and helpful conversation this morning, hearing your outlook for both rates and inflation, as well as your guidance on how to position within fixed income, given where we are today and in consideration of what might come down the pike. So great catching up with you as always, Leslie, and we'll look forward to continuing the conversation with you next month. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Leslie. And again, today we have been joined by Leslie Falconio, Senior Fixed Income Strategist Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. As a reminder to our clients and listeners, the UBS Chief Investment Office does author a variety of publications and blogs that touch on timely market developments, asset classes, and portfolio allocation. These resources can be located on UBS.com forward slash CIO, including a of course, the publication Leslie has been citing during our conversation on the podcast today, uh, that being the Fixed Income Strategist, a monthly publication, a title for the month of April is Greater Expectations. So for clients of UBS, you can also contact your financial advisor if you would like to receive a copy of that piece directly or to learn more about today's topic. Top of the Morning is part of the UBS Market Moves podcast channel, which is available where podcasts are found, including on iTunes, Spotify, Tune. In, Stitcher, and Pandora. Visit UBS.com forward slash studios to view the entire podcast offering as well as the new UBS trending video series. From UBS Studios, I'm Dan Cassidy. Thank you for joining us. UBS Chief Investment Office's investment views are prepared and published by the Global Wealth Management Business of UBS AG or its affiliate, UBS. This material has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific recipient and is published for informational purposes only. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients globally, UBS AG and its subsidiaries offer both investment advisory services and brokerage services. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. In the USA, UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG and a member of FINRA SIPC. For information, please visit our website at UBS.com forward slash working with us. For a full legal disclaimer applicable to the independent investment views produced by UBS, please visit our website at UBS.com forward slash CIO disclaimer. 